Welcome to the Strange Harbors Podcast, a weekly discussion of all things film and television. My name is Jeff Zhang, and tonight I'm joined by... Amir Kure. And Derek Wong. So this episode, we're going to take a little break from our regular programming for another installment of What We're Watching, where we just go through a bunch of movies and TV we've been consuming in between episodes, and uh, stuff that we haven't really had a chance to talk about on the pod. So I guess the one thing we all won't be watching is... The Golden Globes. I don't know if you guys have heard uh, the news. NBC has canceled the Golden Globes for 2022. So the the controversy with their inclusionary practices, um, a lot of people are just saying it's not enough. A bunch of people have just pulled out. Netflix, Warner Brothers, a bunch of celebrities. Yeah, it's some crazy news. Big shakeup in the industry. Starting a little off topic, but I think uh, it's big enough news that we can talk about it a little bit. I mean, I think it's a long time coming. So do you want to break it down just a little bit? Like, so what is the controversy that seems to be surrounding the Golden Globes? Well, it's just that the voting body, the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, is just predominantly old white men, right? And the voting has been very, very non-inclusionary, and a lot of people have been very vocal about it. You know, like how the Oscars did their whole new inclusionary rules uh, was that last year? That was last year, right? Where they have like a whole bunch of rules about how new Academy Award winners would have to undergo a more stringent adherence to like inclusionary rules. And they're not very hard to like meet, right? Pretty standard rules. Having a certain percentage of your movie be starring minorities or like people behind the scenes in the production too. But the Golden Globes, they just like kind of glossed over it. They're like, oh, we'll do better without really like doing anything of substance and a lot of people are upset about that and rightfully so i think the golden globes have been kind of a relic for a long time now i think the awards mostly have been a joke for for a very long time so you get what you deserve i think (laughs) there's a lot of different actors and celebrities have been really speaking out against this um and it doesn't just have to do with the inclusionary rules like i mean i think you alluded to this it's the voting body itself right you know a lot of Sites have reported that there are no African-American voters at all in the body. That's crazy to me. So, you mean, you saying that it's full of a bunch of old white men is probably not far off. (laughs) But yeah, it's pretty shocking. And, you know, I think they did address it last year saying like, we're going to try to up our percentage up to, I think they gave like a weird like 13% by next year. But then I guess it's it's not enough. Now people are really speaking up and and, um, yeah, maybe this will shake things up. Finally? I don't know. How many people are on that body? I think it's less than 100, isn't it? 86 members. I just looked it up. It's enough they could sprinkle a couple of different people in there, I guess. Yeah, a lot of people have been coming out against this. I saw Scarlett Johansson said something about them being sexist as well. And I think not just in terms of the composition of the board, but also just in like the questions that are asked. And like their uh, the behavior of the HFPA members has been, like I don't know, not stellar. I think it's also not just representation, but also just the way these people are acting has not been, I guess, ethical. There's some ethical questions about, like, I don't know, hotel rooms being paid for and whatnot. So, like, there's just, like, a lot going on. 
just a specific example, um, Amir, you're talking about like the, the people of the press junkets just asking like offensive questions or just being really ignorant. And that's, that's basically true because just with the Oscars, the HFPA isn't just the Golden Globes. They're the voting body for the Golden Globes, but they're like part of the press, right? And they interview people after the Oscars. So like after this year's Oscars, one of the HFPA reporters asked Daniel Kaluuya what it was like working with <laughs> Regina King. It's like stuff like that where you don't do like your basic research and you're like confusing one black person for another. It's really offensive, and I think, like, it's high time you got with the program, especially as, like, a member of the press. I know a lot of, like, hardworking critics who would love to, like, be a part of that junket and would ask appropriate questions, you know? And, I don't know, it's just kind of nuts to me that these people get to participate and just botch their jobs completely, you know? Seems like the kind of sclerotic, probably nepotistic organization that's, you know, just kind of running on fumes of past glory and... People are getting lazy and not doing their jobs right. Maybe it is time for a shakeup. Yeah. I mean, especially like you can't also forget that like the award season overall have done terribly this year, right? In terms of ratings. Yeah. Like people are at home doing nothing. Well, a lot of, I mean, more than any other year anyway. And like, shouldn't these things have been super popular? But it's just, it just didn't happen. I don't know if it's a cultural thing and they're just, and like all the awards that are just out of touch with what people actually like or if. I don't know, the culture's too fragmented now and you just can't have one central repository anymore. I don't, I don't know, do the Golden Globes even ever come back? I think it was just a decision by NBC for, for 2022. Maybe afterwards it'll change or maybe like this whole awards season thing is like just dying down. I don't know. I think, I think the pandemic has a lot to do with it. Like people just yeah. didn't have any access to these movies. The Oscars have been on the downturn for a really long time anyway. Like less and less people watch every year. Nobody got a chance to see like, a lot of these movies last year. So I'm, I'm sure that has to do with like the, the huge decline that, that all these awards shows saw this year. But anyway, what we've been watching, Derek, you want to start? What have you been watching? So actually I wanted to start with something that I know we've all been watching and something that we've done a prior episode on, but I don't think we're going to commit to a, a full fledged episode, but uh, we did want to talk a little bit about the Amazon Prime show Invincible. Oh, yeah, that's right. So, uh, since our last talk, the final four episodes of that season came out. And by the end of the season, the show was very hit or miss with me. I think it's it's very reminiscent of what the first four episodes were like for me. It was very hit or miss. And I think it really continues that trend and doesn't really buck it. And I think it, it goes right down the line. I think there was two episodes of the last half that I wasn't a big fan of. And there were two episodes that I thought were really great. I did really enjoy the finale. I think all a lot of people could talk about was that train scene. Right. Um, from that final episode, which you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, was not in the comics, correct? It was not. And it was a good addition, I think. <laughs> what are your guys' um, feelings on the last uh, couple episodes of this first season? I mean, I think I agree with you. It was, it, it was pretty uneven, but I don't know. I liked where they went with it. Um, I think it's fun. I, I'm definitely going to watch a second season. They hit you with the big, you know, the big wham ending, um, just like they kind of did in the first episode. Kind of go out with a bang at the end of the at the end of the season. So I think mm -hmm. it, 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 it's kind of slight. Um, it, it feels like it's trying to do maybe less than something like Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which is like at least taking kind of perfunctory stabs at talking about race and diversity and politics and. Even if it doesn't do those things well, it does try. Whereas Invincible 
maybe the show itself has less to say about those things, although they did do some updates to kind of make it more 2021 friendly. Yeah, I I agree. I do think compared to the Marvel Disney Plus shows, I do think that Invincible ended in an upwards trajectory while both WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier kind of flubbed their landings a little bit. They just didn't end on as strong a note as Invincible did. But Derek, you're 100% right. Like, I think the disposable stuff in Invincible is really disposable. Like, the Martian stuff, the aliens, the college road trip episode. Yeah, the college trip is really, really kind of crummy. Yeah, it wasn't that great. And I think that's just artifacts from the comic, because most of those are just taken straight from the comics. And that's, like, a good decade and a half ago, right? So, like, it's it's different. We've seen the MCU and, like, to a lesser extent, the DCEU, and then all these comic book shows come out. Like, some of this stuff just isn't as fresh anymore but like anytime the show focuses on mark and his family and his mom and his dad it's it's gangbusters and i think especially the last two episodes are really fantastic but there's still some like disposable stuff in there Uh, i enjoy the show a lot i'm really looking forward to season two and and i love the the memes that have come out of this show or like it's that picture of Omni-Man towering over Mark, and he's like, think, Mark, think. think Mark. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they did that a lot of memes with that. It's very, very funny. Like, you never know what's going to become a meme. It's so funny. I don't know why. Why that took off, yeah. Why that took off. And, like, there's one where, like, they made him, like, J. Jonah Jameson. He's got, like, a cigar in his hand. He's like, think, Peter, think. It's like, how much do you think I would charge you for these? <laughs> pictures of spider-man or whatever it's just really <laughs> funny people are really clever about that so it's cool to have such a talented voice cast right like yeah dude steven yun and jk simmons killed it in that last episode i think like voice casting and like voice acting in general can be a little stiff and like not selling the big emotions when it comes to it but like i think steven yun did a great job here on the show and Sandra Oh, really good as as Debbie, Debbie Grayson, right? As Mark's mom, low-key uh, MVP there. I think it really echoes kind of what we were saying in the, our first episode that we talked about, Invincible, you know? The the main core family is, is really solid, but some, some of the, the side characters are a little bit weaker. Um, Guardians of the Globe stuff still, like, doesn't interest me that much. I mean, what happens with the robot didn't really interest me by the end of it. Oh, I think the robot stuff is kind of cool. I think that's carried over from the comics. Mm -hmm. He's, like, trying to get a new body for a deformed fetus person. I don't know what that is, but I think it's interesting. I think it's neat. I'm glad they hang a lampshade on how, like, weird everything he does is. Yeah. The entire team's like, oh, you expect us to be cool with this? And he was like, "Uh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Uh, So another thing I've been watching that I know, I think, Jeff, you've also been watching is on HBO, which is the new Kate Winslet show, Mayor of Easttown. Dude, I love Mayor of Easttown. I don't know why I love it so much. It's just so good. I think Kate Winslet is so good. And, like, I think the mystery is pretty compelling. And it's a funny show, actually. I think it's funny. Yeah, surprisingly than funny. Jean Smart from Watchmen is, is in it. She's she's fantastic as uh, as Mayor's mom. So sell me on what is this show because I'm not, I'm not watching this. Oh, okay. So Kate Winslet plays a detective in this very kind of small town called, I guess, Easttown. And... It's basically just like a murder mystery kind of detective show, but it has a little bit more lighthearted kind of family aspect to it because it is kind of this 
modern family of like just Mare, who's played by Kate Winslet, you know, her mom, Jean Smart, and then her daughter. It's like it has a small town feel because like everybody knows um, everybody. And then the kind of inciting incident is that there was a disappearance of a girl like a year prior. And then there's a current murder of a girl that is, is close to everybody in the town. And and I think the season is going to be taken to, you know, figure out what happened to these girls and who's been, you know, murdering them. But yeah, I, I agree with Jeff. Uh, I, I thought the first episode was a little slow and I didn't know if I was going to stick to it. But then Jeff said, oh, it gets better. And I'm like, okay. I did and I do enjoy the uh, the last couple episodes that have come out. Yeah, the show really grows on you, I think. And it's, it's just this like slice of life of like working class Philly suburbs that you don't really see that often. And like Kate Winslet nails that Philly dialect. I feel like that's really hard, especially for like a British actress. I think her accent work on this is fantastic. And I think this is like one of the hardest accents to nail because it's like every fifth or sixth word is just a little weird. I don't know how to explain a Philly accent. It's really weird because SNL just did a skit on it. And it's so funny how fast they turn around this skit. This show just like came on like the last couple of weeks. It was like, she murdered my daughter or whatever. It's like, you murdered your daughter. It's like, no, murdered my daughter. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's like making fun of that accent. It's 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 really exaggerated on the skit, but like, it's kind of accurate in like how, how the people talk in this little uh, boondocks town, you know? But it's a, it's a good show. I think uh, the cast is great. Evan Peters is in it. Guy Pierce is in it. Guy Pierce is in it. Yeah, it's got a good cast. It's It's got a good enough premise that I'm, I'm intrigued and i think um it really is helped by the the, the strength of the cast has it, has it finished airing or no it's only like four or five episodes in i, I think four episodes maybe there's three left after this week uh it's very character driven yes absolutely another thing i've been watching i have, I have a couple so I'll, I'll try to do these as fast as i can um i've been watching a lot of netflix uh, original series that have come out recently i caught shadow and bone which was okay based on some ya books is that it? am i thinking the right thing yeah did either of you catch this uh i couldn't get into it this is like one of the shows that i was going to talk about too where like i just couldn't get into it first episode didn't grab me really struggled to get through the first episode by the second episode like Towards the end, I was just like, I'm out. It's, it's too... I don't want to say it's too confusing, but there's too many characters, and, like, there's too much shit going on, and I don't feel invested in any of it. I think fantasy series needs to, like, ease you into the fantasy with the characters before it, like, pulls out all the stops with the magic and, like, the yeah. the mythology and stuff. And this, this just, like, threw you into the deep end. I, I feel like I drowned right away. There's the stuff with the the Grisha, the people with the powers, and then uh-huh. stuff in the shadow fold, and people on both sides of the war. It's, it's just too much. I think I can't. I just couldn't get into it. I'm I'm sorry. I know I know the show has a lot of fans, but I, the best way I can describe it is maybe like Game of Thrones meets Harry Potter. But it sounds like you're jumping into Game of Thrones like season four or something from the beginning, right? To speak on like Jeff's kind of issue with getting thrown in. I mean, like Game of Thrones is like that too, right? Like, and I think. That's the problem is that with shows like thinking they could be the next Game of Thrones is like, well, we'll just throw people in and people will get it, right? Yes, it takes a while to get into the show. And I, by the end of it, I'm not like in love with the show. Like, I think it's just okay. But like, I I got it. By the end of it, kind of got what all the character motivations are and how they all kind of come together. Uh, There are some storylines I think work 
more than others. There's definitely one storyline with, I mean, not to give it away to you guys or anybody that hasn't watched it. It really just entails like one female, one male that like are super separated from anybody else from the cast. And they only ever see our main character in the very last second of the first season. So it just like makes no sense that why we're following this, these people for like the entire season. But so that that's also very Game of Thronesy, right? Like it's just like their side characters off doing their own thing, and then we'll we'll figure them out later. We'll figure them out in a second season. Uh, I will say though that I I do I I do like that you know our our lead is an Asian, so like I I do appreciate that, and they do play up that that aspect of her character like as part of this universe. So, but in the end, I mean I don't necessarily agree with Jeff because I stuck through the whole thing. But yeah, it's it's uh it's just okay. Like here's the thing with Game of Thrones, right? Because Game of Thrones threw you into the deep end, but it was like a really a character drama first mm-hmm. before yeah. it did any of its fantasy stuff. Like you didn't yeah, even see any of the absolutely. fantasy stuff until like the end of the first season, like the last scene, maybe. I mean, like there's the whites in the first episode, but like you don't know what's really going on there. And like it's pretty far removed, but like they put you in the deep end with characters first. You're trying to get your bearings with the characters and like by the first and second episodes, you kind of understand who's who. If you're trying to do that and like figure out the mythology and figure out like everyone's powers and like what's going on in this fantasy world at the same time, it's just too much. And you can't like, there's nothing for you to grab a hold of. And this is what my problem was with, with Shadow and Bone, right? Because Game of Thrones, I was like, I got to feel for the characters first. And then when they introduced the fantasy elements, I was already attached to the characters, you know? So. You know, like I think that's that's the big problem with with a lot of these YA adaptations, but couldn't really get into it. So the other Netflix thing I've been watching is Jupiter's Legacy. I was going to talk about this too, dude. It's so bad. So this is a Mark Millar. The Mark joint? Millar. Uh, uh, yeah, this show by the end of it is is not that great. This is some just some goofy, goofy shit. I feel like nothing happens on this show. It's so inert and dead for a superhero show. Like, it's, it's got, like, violence and, like, cool fight scenes and stuff like that. But it's nothing you haven't seen before. And Josh Dumel with this stupid fucking wig looks fucking horrible. <laughs> it, it takes me right out of the show. It looks so bad. It's just goofy shit. And I don't, I don't really like it. And... I've never read the source material, but it's Mark Millar and uh, Frank Quietly, so like I'm inclined to give that a shot, maybe. Maybe that's better, but also I think Mark Millar's stuff hasn't really aged that well. I don't know. It's it's okay. It's just... So, like, the show is just about a superhero family slash team, them through the generations, and there's, like, family secrets and, like, supervillains and things like that. It's kind of run-of-the-mill superhero stuff, and... It's it's not that good. Have either of you read the comics? No. No, no I haven't read the comics. No, no, no. not at all. I was going to say, what is Mark Millar's best adaptation? What of his has been adapted? Kick-Ass, right? Is Mark yeah. Millar? Uh, wanted? Kingsman, right? Wanted, Kingsman. I'd say Ooh, Kingsman. Might be Kingsman. I, like, I, really, I really do enjoy the first Kingsman movie. I think Kick-Ass is pretty good, too. But also, yes, I, I do think the first Kick-Ass is pretty good, too. Did you actually finish the whole thing, Jeff, or did, is this one of the ones where you kind of just didn't finish? I, uh, I think I checked out around, like, episode five. I checked out a lot okay. of shit for <laughs> <laughs> this episode. This is a what, what we're not watching episode? Yeah, this is a struggle for me. But my issue with the show is that I think it 
thinks we're more interested in the actual origins of these characters than I think we are as an audience. The conceit of this show is that it it jumps between timelines, right? It jumps between, I think, like 1930s and, you know, present day. And the 1930s stuff really heavily deals with how these original superheroes got their powers. And then the present day is kind of this mystery of like, who's fucking with this group called the Union, which is basically their version of like the Justice League or the Avengers or whatever you want to call them. And like the 1930s stuff is just like not interesting. Like it gets to the end where they just like go through this door and they get their powers. But like none of that stuff is really compelling up until that point. The stuff that is kind of compelling that I found in the show was there are a lot of pieces that I think they like are, are nesting so that they they can kind of set up for like other seasons if they were to come. Like there's a fallout of one of the heroes that you never see in present day. One of the heroes is, like, in a wheelchair and he's paralyzed. Like, how did that happen? There's a hero that's completely missing that you don't see in the future. Like, all that stuff that seems really interesting, they never answer. They never get into because they're so, so concentrated on, like, this journey of how they get their powers. And it's, like, that's that's not the interesting part. Just, you could have dedicated an episode and then give us more. But but that's a shame, right? Because, like, the 1930s, like, superhero stuff, that has a lot of promise. Because, like, you've never really seen that before. Like, a period piece with uh, superheroes, right? That would have been cool. But you don't really do yeah. anything with it. And it's just kind of wet noodle. I think they think that, like, oh, man, this show's going to be hit. We're going to have multiple seasons. And we're going to be able to, like, each season maybe jump to a different era, right? Because, like, it's 1930. I mean, they they from the 1930s and they've lived up until like now so like they've been living for a long time you know so like i i think they think it's gonna be a hit and we're gonna just be able to oh well next season we'll do like the 1950s and 1960s or whatever people want to see but i think it would have benefited from like this journey that maybe it would have been cool to see these superheroes in different eras and like different timelines and like different costumes like i think it would have made this show a lot more interesting Dude, I always think it's the worst when you make an assumption that you're going to get a second season or like you're going to get a yeah. sequel, and then you build yeah. all your Mortal shit. Kombat. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Every, everyone, everyone wants to be the MCU. Yeah. No one wants to do the setup. So I talked a lot about the things that I uh, I've thought were just okay or not that great, but last two things I'll mention are definitely things I, I really enjoyed and really... What I enjoyed about them most is that they're really upbeat and they're they're like kind of feel good things to watch. Um, one's a one's a show and one's a movie. I did catch um, another plug for Netflix, the the Mitchells versus the Machines, which I thought was really pleasant. Just kind of like this family cartoon where they you know they have to learn how to like be a family, and I think stuff like that is just always wholesome and it, it's it's a good you know two hours of, of fun and it's a cute movie. I like that. Sony Animation, by the way, right? Uh, yes. Same, same studio yeah, that did Spider-Verse. Same producers. Yeah, same producers. Uh, yeah, so I definitely would recommend that if you guys haven't seen it. go Definitely go catch it on Netflix. The last thing is I finally caught the Apple Plus TV show Ted Lasso, um, which I mm. absolutely adored. I really loved it. Um, I think that is just, again, like wholesome fun. Like, sometimes you just need that, right? There's, like, so many things out there that are just, like, downers these days or too, like, self-serious. And I think that this is a great show that is super funny, has great characters, but also has really, like, soft emotional moments for them. And I really enjoy that in my shows. 
So yeah, I definitely recommend uh, Ted Lasso. Yeah, I think a lot of people are saying that it's great, kind of becoming like a like an under the radar hit. Like everyone's talking about it on Twitter. Everyone loves it. Jason Sudeikis, right? Yes, Jason Sudeikis. So what it is, the premise is that Jason Sudeikis is a American football coach, but then he gets hired to be a coach for an English Premier League soccer team, which they call football, of course. Um, and it's you know you learn that it's it's all kind of a ploy by the the owner to kind of try to tank the team, but it it kind of by the end of it he actually does a good job <laughs> kind of well not really <laughs> not um, really <laughs> i don't want to give it away but like you know the ending isn't as wholesome as is is maybe it's set out but there is hope by the end of the season and i'm definitely looking forward to the second season all right very cool yeah i'm i'm willing to check that out i haven't i haven't seen it yet so I think that's it for me. What about you guys? One thing I did not catch up on, and I, it's okay if you guys talk about it, because I know you guys have both finished Gangs of London, right? Well, I feel like we ended our review episode at the right time. I feel like the second half of the season gets a little wonky. I don't think it's horrible. No, it's definitely not awful. I would definitely finish it out. There's some cool moments, mm-hmm. but a lot of the stuff we liked is missing, and they introduce a lot of sort of baffling stuff that just doesn't really track. You know, you lose a lot of the really like kinetic kind of martial arts fights that we thought were so cool, and then the plot just goes in like some really loopy ways that I think are going to make it difficult for them to do a grounded season two. Yeah. It just gets very, very odd and not like in a good way. Um, I do want to say like one of the highlights of the second half is the fucking Nigerian mafia with Mosi. Oh, yeah. That dude is that fucking is crazy. Excellent. He becomes a bigger part in the yeah. second, second yeah, half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All, All right. right. They're definitely okay. parts. It's definitely brutal. Um, there's, there, there's still some definitely some good stuff in that second half. I, I do agree, though. It's, it's a little deflated by the end of the first season. And, yeah, they go in weird directions. Like, uh, how are they going to continue this, you know? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll definitely watch a season two, but I, I was just disappointed with where it went after enjoying the first half so much, right? Yeah, still worth watching, yeah, but um, just a little baffling. What else have you been watching, Amir? So I finally went back and watched a movie I've been meaning to watch for ages. I saw Black Bear. Oh, is that the Christopher Abbott, Aubrey Plaza movie? I've never yes, seen it. Yes, Oh, you didn't see I it? I didn't see it. I didn't see it. Oh, I just didn't wow, get a chance that's to. that's wild. What about you, Derek? Did you see this movie? I have not seen this either, so well, it's all you, man. I seen this. Oh, my goodness. I was not prepared to carry this on my own. Okay. I've heard great things about it. Dude, I really enjoyed it. Oh, wow. Okay. So, um, it's a Lawrence Michael Levine uh, directed this. Um, I actually don't know his other stuff. I think he did. Uh, let's see. He's done Territory, The Empress, Fefford. I haven't seen any of his other stuff. He's done a bit of acting as well, but um, this really kind of hit with a bang. It was at Sundance early last year, January of 2020, released December 2020. So it's been a couple of months now. It got some good buzz. People said it was Aubrey Plaza's best role. And uh, I don't know, I'm inclined to to agree based on like the limited number of things I've seen her. And I really liked what she did here. If you've seen the trailers, you kind of already get the sense of what this is about. And I'm not going to go too deep into spoiler territory. But, you know, it's about this young woman, Allison, who's uh, a uh, film director. And she goes up to this cabin in order to get some isolation and um, maybe do some, uh, I don't know, some writing, some some development of her ideas for her next flick. And uh, she's, you know, living with this uh, married couple who are having some marital problems. They're also both artists, uh, a dancer and a musician. And it's this sort of very intense really funny really dark portrait of what like i don't know it gets very meta and it's about like art and creation and roles and you know 
I don't know, power dynamics in a relationship. And it's very, it's really, really, it's, I had a blast with it. I really enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. Uh, I would definitely recommend if you're like an Aubrey Plaza fan or you just want to see something a little different, watch Black Bear. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's very funny and it's kind of cerebral and kind of strange. And, uh, I don't know. I really enjoyed it a lot. It's kind of this drama thriller that I don't want to give up too much away, but it's just, it, I, I really did enjoy it. It's a very fun, clever, really superbly acted film. So yeah, I would say both of you guys go check it out. Um, gets a two thumbs up for me. Definitely escaped my radar. I mean, I, I, I knew it existed, but I, I just didn't get around to watch it. Definitely now with your endorsement, I'll, I'll definitely go check it out. I, you know, I also missed it. I, I just went back and was like, you know, I meant to see this movie months and months ago. And I finally picked it up and I was, I was impressed. Um, I, re- I really quite liked it. And I think Aubrey Plaza is very underrated as an actress. I think people like, oh, she's always playing like the same role, but she's actually quite good. She's, she does a lot of cool stuff. I don't know. I haven't seen this. So it, is this, is this like the Aubrey Plaza you'd expect or is that like, a little more than... I mean, she plays to type in being, like, sort of the, I don't know, attractive weirdo <laughs> that she, she always, always seems to be playing. <laughs> but it's definitely uh, more intense than roles you've seen her in previously. And I think she does a really good job with the uh, with the material. It's pretty meaty. So, yeah, I quite liked it. And, and Christopher Abbott from Possessor, so... That's right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great to see him again. He's good, isn't he? Is he good in this? I'm, I'm, I'm sure he is. Yeah, he's excellent in this. Oh wow, okay. He's really, really good in this. I, I, I loved his work. It's, I don't know, it's something that once you guys see this, let's talk about it again because it's, it's uh, got a lot of cool twists and turns. Really clever, fun little film. Anything else? What else have you been watching? You know, I decided randomly, and this isn't a, a film I'd only seen once, but I decided randomly. To go back and watch House of Flying Daggers. Do you remember this movie? Yeah. Zhang Yimou movie. Yeah. I just suddenly, like, something popped in my head. I was like, I haven't seen this movie in ages. And, uh, yeah, it still whips ass. It's so good. It's, you know, this sort of, uh, I don't know, I guess, uh, martial arts fantasy romance, uh, what, Wuxia flick? I don't know how you say yeah, the word. Yeah, Wuxia flick, yeah. Wuxia flick, yeah. And it's, it's, um, it's awesome. Just like, yeah, it's a super romantic. The scenery is gorgeous. The colors, everything. It's just like, uh, I don't know, real feast for the eyes. It's awesome. The martial arts are great. It's just a really fun. It's not like, you know, the down to earth realistic stuff you saw in like Gangs of London. It's the kind of the wire foo, um, that you're used to seeing in that genre of movie, but it's just, it's awesome. And, uh, I don't know if you've never seen that movie. You go back, go go out, and go out and run out and see that. That that movie is really cool. It's good. If you like martial arts, you like romance. It's a perfect fusion of the two. I think Hero was before this, right? And then he did this. Yes, I think his wuxia stuff is good. I think his his more grounded dramas are are better. But those two are really really good. I think Hero and and House of Flying Daggers are are great. Andy Lau's in this. Takeshi Kaneshiro. Yes. Song Ziyi. Really good cast here. So he went back and did another Wusha flick in, I think it was yeah, 2018. Yeah, Shadow. Shadow's Shadow? good, too. You Shadow's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's on, Netflix. that's on Netflix, too. He just had a movie come out, like, last week. He did. And it's probably what put him on my radar and be like, oh, let me go back. And oh, watch. really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like some espionage thriller. Yeah, yeah. It looked interesting. I obviously haven't checked it out yet. Cliff Walkers? Yeah. But yeah, that, that's probably what did it. I think it's just someone pops up in the news. I'm like, oh, I should watch a movie of theirs. Like, I think Aubrey Plaza got married or something. That's probably why I went back and watched Black Bear. You just see news and I'm like, you're like, oh, I'm going to revisit. 
Song Emo's use of color is just like unrivaled. That shit is like unbelievable. It's so good. Yeah, unbelievable. Even like Shadow, which is like predominantly like black and white tones, is cool as fuck. So cool. Yeah, it's really striking. Really good stuff. Yeah, no, no, not really. There's some kind of things I'm dipping my toes back in. Like I'm trying to dip my toes back into the Americans. That uh, espionage show about like Russian sleeper agents planted in America ended a, ended a couple years ago, and I had never gone back and finished it. And it's amazing. I just it's so complicated that I don't know where I left off, and it's the kind of thing I have, you really have to dedicate some time to diving back into. I was in the same boat as you because like I kind of drifted off of it, and then I had to come back, and it took me a really long time to like get back into it because I kind of remember what happens. Like, oh, I don't need to watch all this again or whatever, but like. There's so much stuff that happens that, like, you got to get caught up and really reinvest yourself in the show. And it's a big undertaking. I, I, I totally get it. If you're already, like, halfway through the show and you kind of have to go through the motions again, you know, it's it's a little difficult. But it's one of the best shows ever. I heard they stick the landing, right? Dude, stick the landing so hard. I think the shield level, probably, it's so good. The ending's so good. Wow. That's high praise. You know endings are so hard, right? So, like, this this is, yeah. Yeah, endings are very difficult. Yeah, Game of Thrones showed us that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, what about you, Jeff? What are you watching, man? So, I think Derek's gone through a lot of the duds that I couldn't really get through. Another thing, which I'm really disappointed in, and I'm kind of scared to say because, like, I requested a screener, and, like, all the people on Twitter that I talked to, they fucking love this show. I just don't like it is the new CW revival of Kung Fu. It's not very good, I'm sorry to say. You know, like, it's Asian representation, and I'm all for it, and I think what they did to, like, Bruce Lee's original vision... So now I think it's funny, because there's two adaptations of Bruce Lee's original treatment, which he took to TV, but, like, they never took it, and they turned it into Kung Fu instead. So, like, the other adaptation is Warrior on Cinemax. Slash HBO Max. Yeah, HBO Max, not Cinemax anymore, because it's dead. So now they're doing Kung Fu, I guess, like, properly on the CW with Asian cast and, like, a predominantly Chinese cast rather than fucking David Carradine, who's, like, white, right? But, I mean, the cast is Asian, but the representation's, like, pretty surface level and the plot isn't very good and the dialogue is really corny there's cw stuff that's good and like this is not it and i requested a screen or two to do a review i don't want to shit on an asian show and put that shit on rotten tomatoes you know so like i'm, I'm just i just kind of sat on it i didn't do anything with it i'm just gonna say it out on this podcast <laughs> I like the cast a lot. I think they deserve better scripts. It's it's really corny. Have you have you watched it, Derek, or no? So this is the show that I quit on. <laughs> you quit on. How many episodes in did you? I only got to the second episode, and I was like, I, I can't do this anymore. Like, the first episode was okay. Like, I was like, okay, maybe, maybe this would be okay. And then I got to the second episode, and I was like, yeah, if this is... Any indication of what this show's gonna be like, I think I'm good. Yeah. And I just was never compelled to keep going, so I, I, I just stopped after episode two. Yeah. Wait, so no, no, neither of you talked about the martial arts in, in, in a show called Kung Fu. Is any of it any good? It's okay. It's okay. I can't remember it being outstanding. I don't think it's anything to write home about. Like, especially after we've watched, like, Gangs of London and Warrior, I don't think it can, like, hold a candle to, to that. 
I don't know. I think the representation's kind of surface level too. Like she spends two years in like a Shaolin monastery. And all she learns is Kung Fu. But you come back and you're like the same person you were when you left like years ago. And all you do is like, you know, Kung Fu now. It's kind of, I don't know. I don't want to shit on it unnecessarily. But like, I, I just, I just didn't think it was that deep. But another CW show that I do like is Superman and Lois, which I've been watching. It's on it's on hiatus right now after five episodes, I think. They're taking a long ass break. It's like a mid season break, but yeah. But Superman and Lois has been really good. I like it. Have you been watching? I have. Yeah, I, I've also enjoyed it. It's a nice twist or I don't know what you want to call it. It's a nice kind of perspective to give him the Clark Kent that's a family man. And like it you know, parts of the show kind of focus on his teen sons. If it was just a show where it was like, you know, back in the 90s, where it's just like Lois and Clark, I don't think I would be as compelled. I do think that the family dynamic really helps this show elevate it to something different and something that I'm more interested in watching. For sure. Yeah. Amir, you haven't watched it? I haven't. How strong a recommendation is this? Pretty strong. Like, if you like the first couple seasons of Arrow or like The Flash, I think this is on that level. I did enjoy them. Yeah. I hope they'll keep the momentum going on this and not... I think it's very difficult to keep the momentum on something like that. It's very hard. I burned out on all of those shows eventually. It's just it's just hard. I will say that the villain... Because I, I don't know much about Superman lore, uh, you know, other than, like, watching the old animated shows. But, like, this villain seems pretty interesting to me because it's definitely something I'm not familiar with at all. Well, I think it's, like, newly created for the show. Oh, is it? I thought it was kind of... Yeah, I don't think he's... I think there's, like, elements of, like, Earth 2 Lex Luthor there. The the villain's, like, an alternate reality Lex Luthor, and he's black. So it's kind of cool, actually. Yeah. Why, why an alternate reality? Isn't the, their version of Lex Luthor is, like, good or something? What's yeah, the... so I don't think he's evil, I don't think. I think, like, they're gonna reveal that he's not, like, a hero, but, like... Because, like... His whole deal is like Superman turned evil in his reality or whatever. In his and, universe, yeah. and he was with oh, Lois so and, still... and uh Superman killed that Lois apparently. So like he's out for revenge on on this this Earth Superman. It's kind of cool. I think I think it ties into like the crisis or whatever happened. I don't know, who knows with the with the whole Arrowverse, but we'll see. It's cool. It's like family stuff. I think the kids are not that annoying, which is very very refreshing. I Wow, oh, high praise, dude. Not that annoying. I think kids on these types of shows are really fucking annoying, but they're good. They're like, uh, they got good heads on their shoulders, I think. I think they do some dumb shit, but like, it's good to see like well drawn out adolescence on a superhero show. I mean, there's some like teen drama yeah, in there, yeah, yeah. but it's I not like too it. much of that. And it's a good balance because, I mean, like I said, it's still, it's still technically a, a Superman and Lois show, so like a lot of the focus also falls on them. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's really interesting all the kind of different directions that they're taking, right? You know, this Superman or Clark being this person that has to like balance being a dad and being a hero. Mm-hmm. Um, I think is compelling. I think the the fact that Lois, like, you know, one of the first things that happens to Lois at the beginning of the season, is she quits the Daily Planet, right? And then like now she's like kind of trying to rediscover what it means to be like a reporter. And I think giving all these like new angles to these characters that we thought were like just stuck in one thing, I think is interesting. Yeah, it's a good show. What else have I been watching? I watched uh, the new Guy Ritchie movie, Wrath of Man, with Jason Statham. You liked it, right? Yeah, very unlike Guy Ritchie, actually. It's very 
lean, brutal. I mean, like, Guy Ritchie movies are pretty brutal, but, like, it doesn't really have his, like, trademark boisterousness, I think. I think it's very lean and ruthless and, and not what you would expect from a Guy Ritchie movie. And I don't think it's a perfect movie. I don't think it's, like, even, like, great. It's It's, like, a decent heist action movie and, like, there's a twist in it which kind of sucks. It's not that good. They make it like a whole thing where like they, you know, like Guy Ritchie likes to jump around in time, right? Like he does this cheap thing where he reveals stuff that's been hidden and he just doesn't show it to you, which is kind of cheap. Right. Yeah. It feels like cheating. Yeah. It feels like it's cheating. And this is like the ultimate cheat because like the twist is just like a nothing thing that you've seen like coming like a million miles away. But it's cool. It's a cool heist flick. Uh, really good action. If you're into like, Lots of gunplay, like fucking brutal shootouts, robbing banks. It's it's fun. It's a fun time. I didn't hate it. I I, I thought it was a nice distraction. You guys, you guys should check that out. What else have I been watching? Uh, so Spiral, the new Saw movie, is coming out. Um, and I'm trying to rewatch all of the Saw movies. <laughs> Whoa, that is ambitious. <laughs> Quite an undertaking, <laughs> and I think I've given up. After, like... I think I'd rather be in one of the Saw movies. <laughs> Would you really? No. <laughs> First Saw movie, legit great fucking movie. It's really good. Yes. It's so good, actually. And I think retroactively, it's been labeled as torture porn, but... But the first one actually wasn't, right? It was not. There's not that much gore in it. It's not that exploitative, not very... It's just just the very end, right? Yeah, it's it's not very tortury, it's not very porny. So it's like, it's a great fucking movie. James Wan, Lee Whannell, they really crafted a good one, and this was was great. Did we watch this together in theaters, Amir? I feel like we did. Ah, did we? I don't remember, this movie so long ago. Was it 15, 16 years ago? Yeah, it was like 2003? 2004. I think there's redeeming qualities in like one, two, not not one. One is really good, but two and three. I think it's like a little trilogy there that's pretty okay. But then like after that, it goes fucking off the rails. I think what it is is like that first twist in Saw 1 is so good that they like try to replicate it every single movie and keep it within that continuity, right? So like... Everything past three is just ridiculous. Like, it gets more and more convoluted. They don't go back and, like, reset it, right? It's just, like, it's all the same. Yeah. I mean, like, it's, like, new characters, and then they're like, oh, surprise, this guy is, like, related to that guy. And, like, it's all the same type of twist. Surprise, I've been working for Jigsaw all yeah, this time. Yeah, exactly. It's all the stuff. For years. It's like, okay. Yeah, it just gets old. And, like, the, I guess the thing about the first one is that for Ron and Winnell, it's, like, they're, like, goodwill hunting, right? Like, they, like, wrote the whole thing. They were, like, Winnell has to be in it if we're yeah, going to yeah, do yeah, it. Yeah. Like, this was their, like, vehicle to start it or whatever, right? And so it's, like, got all those, like, I don't know, original passion project elements that, like, you just can't photocopy that again and again, like, eight times or whatever and still have it be good. It just, it's just not going to last that long. Uh, and I think the more gore they introduced to it the less special it got you know it's just like more and more tasteless i think like these ridiculous traps i mean i'm i'm a gore hound i love watching shit like that so like i think it's fun but like you really get desensitized to it especially if you're doing like a a marathon this is 
These movies are not meant to be watched back to back, by the way. There's just a little, a little much. Um, but I am excited for the new one. I, I'm actually going to go see it tomorrow. I- oh, nice. Nice. So how, how many of them are there? There are. Like if you went back and you're like, oh, I'm going to watch them all. Seven, eight, eight or something? Saw one through six, Saw 3D, Jigsaw. So there's eight. Yeah, and this is nine. But I'm excited for this new cast, Chris Rock. You like the you like a dramatic Chris Rock? Yeah, I don't know. Samuel L. Jackson. I just want to see Chris Rock doing Chris Rock shit. Samuel L. Jackson doing Samuel L. Jackson shit. Will I be? I mean, it's Saw, right? It's not exactly the funniest. I don't know. It might be. I mean, not like ha 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 funny, but like, you know, maybe a little injection of, of humor there. I want to see some gnarly traps. You know what I want? I want to see like a, a nice little detective story. I feel like that's kind of what's missing. Like all these other movies, just these victims trying to escape these nasty traps that Jigsaw sets. But like, I kind of want to see a nice little whodunit. So maybe, maybe that's what this will be. And I'm, I'm excited to see this tomorrow and see what happens with it. Big week for movies this week though, because we got the new Angelina Jolie movie coming out from Taylor Sheridan which I'm really excited about. Yeah. Those Who Wish Me Dead. Uh, that looks really good. It's about like a firefighter who's like protecting a boy from assassins. Kind of fucking awesome. Sounds sounds great to me, actually. While a fire is <laughs> raging behind them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Taylor Sheridan does some really cool like shit with the elements, I think. Really interesting what he does. You know, his like Frontier trilogy. He wrote Sicario. Um, he directed Hell or High Water. And then what was the last one? He did a Wind River. Yeah, they're they're all really good. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to this movie. I mean, I've, I've been watching or like kind of paying attention to Sheridan's kind of writing and directing career the last couple of years, and it's I feel like you're you're in good hands uh, most of the time when you're when you're watching this stuff. So I'm definitely well. I mean, I'll say because because he also wrote the new Michael B. Jordan Tom Clancy movie. Yeah, without, without remorse, which was yeah. pretty terrible. Oh shit, he wrote that. Yeah, <laughs> he did write that. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I guess I watched that, but don't watch that. Don't watch that. It's it's bad. It's not that great, yeah. I really like Michael B. Jordan, but this movie made me think, like, is he a bad actor? (laughs) (laughs) I don't think he is, but, like, this was bad. This was really rough, I think. Did you watch it, Amir? No. No, I didn't. I didn't. I just just had that feeling. I was like, this isn't going to be good. The issue with that movie is just, like, it's just stuck in a time. Like, it's, like, all Tom Clancy stuff. It has to be written in a way so that it, like, all goes back to, like, military and it's always about, like, Russia and it's... Yeah. It's, like, it's so... It feels so dated. It does feel dated. And um, I think that's just my big issue with that. It's, like, the military, the jingoism is just really... um, Has not aged well, especially during this time, I think. All right. Well, that was a bonus movie, I guess, we just... We talked about... (laughs) But yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to the movie you mentioned. I'm, I'm looking forward to Spiral, yeah, uh, too, because I was a big fan of Saw, the, at least the first Saw, and I, I do generally like the second Saw too. I think it it was not definitely not as good, but I still enjoyed it. But yeah, as as the Saw franchise went on and on and on, it's just like I gave up after like I think number four. Or something yeah, like that, I think Saw five. one, two, and three are like a nice little package. I mean, two and three aren't really as good as one by any means but at least like Lee Winnell is still involved in those you know but yeah I, I think I made it to like five before I was like all right I, 
more is just going to be more of the same. So tapping out. Well, what else is coming out this week? Uh, Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead. We get a lot of Zack Snyder this year, so kind of excited for that. Like, I feel like that's another movie where like you can't really fuck it up. It's just like cool zombie movie with a heist. Dave Bautista's in it. I'm hoping it's like another Dawn of the Dead type thing. I think Dawn of the Dead is more pared down and probably Zack Snyder's best movie, but I don't know. Maybe maybe this will be a a fun, refreshing surprise. I mean, he certainly did it with Justice League with his his Snyder cut. I was the ultimate skeptic, and I I kind of like that. So we'll, we'll see what happens with with Army of the Dead. I think it's safe to say maybe look out for uh, possibly some episodes on some of these movies that we're talking about. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, if that is it, I think that will conclude this week's episode. Uh, Jeff, where can people find you? You can find me on my blog at strangeharbors.com and also Twitter and Instagram at strangeharbors. What about you guys? You can find me here on the pod. What about you, Derek? Uh, you can find me at the wrong day, Dave spelled D-A-Y-I-K, and that is for Instagram and Twitter. If you like this podcast, the easiest way to support our podcast is to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or any of the other popular podcast apps. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please do us a favor and give us a great star rating. It really helps to get our podcast out to more people. Yeah, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions on any of the stuff that we mentioned in this episode, any of the movies and the TV shows, um, or if you just want to weigh in on what you've been watching, yeah, you can shoot us a, a line at jeff at strangeharbors.com. We like to read emails out on the pod, so feel free to do that. And with that, we'll see you guys next week. See you next week, everybody. See you guys then.